We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525 time investing, retirement planning, and so much more. We are the Biz 1440 KYCR Golden Valley. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. Alexei Navalny's spokesperson has confirmed the Russian opposition leader died at a remote Arctic penal colony and says he was murdered. BBC correspondent Sarah Rainsford has more from Moscow. Alexei Navalny was a man who dared to speak out in a country where dissent is dangerous. As news of the opposition activist's death spread, Russians gathered to remember him. No mass protest or public fury, just silent tributes at monuments to the victims of political repression. There were a handful of arrests. Mostly, though, people seemed stunned. Reaction has been strong at a German conference where security is a discussion as the delegates talk about the need for defense assistance in Ukraine as well as the ongoing war between Israel and Hamas. This is SRN News. Real returns, what you actually get from your investments. That's return minus inflation and taxes. Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. They'll be discussing the implications of inflation and taxes on your bottom line. Alan Mike will share with you how to be prepared for retirement in an inflationary, higher tax environment. Make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on The Biz 1440. Call them now at 855-231-6010. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Portions of the following program may have been pre-recorded. No! Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is aglow whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for being with us. Second hour of the show today. Last hour um, focused largely on the inflation report. Again, and and again, the retail sales data, which I think are um, are pretty uh pretty tough uh, retail sales uh, um re- one thing to always remember about the retail sales data not adjusted for inflation right when you hear that number the negative point eight you're like yeah but but also you have to adjust <coughs> for inflation <coughs> so if you take that data data out so real retail sales have peaked since April of 20 uh, in April of 22 uh, and if I was reading a post from uh, from uh, Tim Taylor's uh, wonderful conversable economist blog um, Tim lives in the Tim uh, works in the St. Paul area and um, is the editor of the Journal of Economic Perspectives which is probably the best yeah, people say well what can I if I want to know what professional economists are working on um, and what's interesting to them, um, I, it, ac- particularly academic economists, I say you should read JEP. You, you know, it's written for an audience where I would give I would give as opposed to many things like the American Economic Review or something. I would not give it a, an article from the American Economic Review to an undergraduate. They are unlikely to get much from the article. They're written for other professionals. They're pretty dense. It's like telling your intro to intro to anatomy students that they should go read medical journals um they could they could get a start there but i don't think they're gonna i actually believe you kind of need to pre-digest some of the pre-digest some of the information for them before you give it to them they're not ready they're not ready to receive real food yet they're 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 there likewise when i have a if I have a principles of economics course as your first course, I'm not handing you the journal of political economy and saying you should read this. It just doesn't work. And no, no uh, professor does that. It's not like I'm unusual. We just don't. But I would, I would say, if you want to break in and try something, you know, particularly with my more advanced undergraduates, I would say try to read this. Um, so daily, uh, Professor Taylor. It puts up a a post on his blog called Conversable Economist. Highly recommend it. It's an old it's an old fashioned blogspot blog, uh, and and you can I don't it, 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 from those days I don't know I don't know if he's still using that platform, but anyway you can look and see he's reviewing the Congressional Budget Office information, and one of the things he points out is that consumer goods as a share of national consumer spending has been on this decline for two decades going on three to, and is projected to continue to decline. The amount of the U.S. economy that depends on goods was at 36% back in 2000 and is now um, is now approaching uh, uh, 
from 36%. It's now about 30-30%. And that's going to continue to decline. We are a services-based economy. And so it makes the measurement of inflation kind of different when you have to think about think of you know because we think about measuring inflation by looking at goods inflation we look at the price of of gasoline as we drive by a gas station or we look at the cost of eggs when we're in a grocery store or or if we're in a an department store what does it cost me to buy a new dress shirt or a new pair of jeans okay those are the kinds of prices that are in our head but most of our economy depends on services and the argument that I hear frequently about services inflation is, well, it's sticky, it's mismeasured, particularly owner equivalent rent, okay, and, and, and everyone kind of drags the Bureau of Labor Statistics for how it tries to measure the increase in the cost of using your own home as a place to live. But you have to measure the basket of goods somehow. And certainly a good we consume is the goods that we receive from the asset of owning large, durable goods. And housing kind of is in its own category of durable goods. Okay, so so that's out there. And, and, and to go one more time at this before I turn my attention to uh, the, the debt question that I teased at the end of the last hour. Larry Summers was on uh, Wall Street Week last night on uh, Bloomberg Television. Uh, he's a regular contributor there. Normally, uh, David Weston, the host, he interviews Summers for eight to ten minutes or so. Um, and un- unsurprisingly, he was on to talk in part about what had happened, what the inflation numbers had shown. It was his, and I don't think I saw him anywhere before last night. So he had some comments that uh, I thought were important. Let's play these. These should be cut number nine. The soft landing paradigm with the assumption that inflation was headed down to two in a tranquil, healthy, uh, real economy has certainly been called into question by these data. There had been a strong assumption that housing was headed towards being a major deflationary force. That doesn't show up in these numbers on owner-occupied housing. And as I've looked carefully at these numbers, I think there's good reasons for that. The idea is that when we judge the cost of owner-occupied houses, we try to estimate what it would cost to rent the residents in question. And many people have done that by looking at, a, at all rentals. But most rentals are apartments, and those don't have much to do with the price of owner-occupied housing. So so a lot of people are looking at rental data and saying, look, rents are coming, you know, are there. Rents, rents crashed in 2020, right, because a lot of young people who were living, living on their own uh, retreated. I, I was talking about talking the other day at some talk I was giving about a guy I used to run into regularly, he's moved out of the neighborhood now, but he used to live in my neighborhood. There is a mile and a half, not really a track, but a path going around a large recreational park that has lots of soccer fields, softball fields, um, and so forth. 
And I would always run into my neighbor there, and I'd say hi to him and back, and we might exchange a couple comments. I see he's also he and I also golf at the same club, so so I would see him there too. Uh, I've known his family for years. I've watched his kids grow up uh, in our neighborhood. His daughters are both in their late twenties. They're now both married. Uh, the second one married after the after the pandemic, but they had both moved out. And then both, then all of a sudden I'm walking one day and I see him with his wife and both daughters. And I'm like, dang, what's that about? And they had turned out they had both moved back in. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, this was, this was during the stay at home piece in, in, in April, May, 2020. And I thought, well, okay, that's fine. That'll last for a month or two. Maybe they're just. They decided they didn't want to be apart during this time. They moved together. They're a nice, tight family. Really a good, good family. And that makes sense to me. Well, one of them didn't leave for months, right? My sister's daughter moved in, and and kind of, and it took it took many months for them to kind of move in their own pathways away from each other. This happened a lot. Apartments crashed. Then they spiked as everyone sort of sort of said, "Okay, I've had enough of being with mom and dad. I need to get out. I need another apartment." Rents spike. Multifamily housing is still being built. The problem is at the same time, multifamily housing's going up, and um, everyone who's got a house who refinanced at three percent is now in those golden handcuffs and not not moving. So the supply of existing single-family homes is not going up. So here's the question. Is is go is is they're not in the market, so the price of single family homes is rising because there's just not enough supply of them in the marketplace. So here's the question: How do you measure the inflationary impact of these movements in the demand and supply of apartments and of houses and so forth? And that's what that's what Summers is calling into question. Okay, so. Let me uh, let me continue with this. I'm, I'm going to let me play this again some more. This is Larry Summers last night on Wall Street Week. Uh, cut 10. It sure looks like Supercore was explosive in January. That is, if you took out uh, food, you took out housing, you took out uh, energy. What was left, which was heavily services, driven by labor costs in labor markets that are still tight, was still running above levels usually consistent with 2% inflation. And... and that's that that is the again the measure that has been used over and over has been this super core inflation uh it is it is it is the data that they that they have decided that they're going to look at more carefully and if i look at the uh, atlanta fed's wage growth tracker wage growth through january is still on an unweighted basis at 5% right Five percent is not consistent with two percent inflation, unless somehow you think that productivity growth is growing at a three percent rate, which would be higher than any sustained period since the Second World War. So, the fact that Supercore is growing at more than four percent, wages are still growing according to the wage growth tracker at five percent. 
Uh, if I look at, at wage growth in the services sector, uh, that's at that same 5%. If I look at people who uh, have stayed in, their, stayed in the same jobs uh, over and over, the uh, job stayers are, are at 4.7%. So it's not just the slowing down of job switching is not helping in that particular place. All of that put together indicates to me that there is still significant inflation that we that that we have to look at i need to take a break here i'm gonna we're gonna be talking about debt and i'm gonna get to caller john in just a little bit here on the king banyan show on the biz 4 How would you like to get high speed internet for your home for less than $2 a day? That's right, for about 50 bucks a month, you'll get lightning fast internet. Are you paying less than 50 bucks a month right now for your internet? Then call Whole Home Connect right now for blazing fast internet at 50 bucks a month with no price increases, no hidden fees, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. It's a great deal. And guess what? You can try it for 15 days. If you don't like it, you get your money back. But you're going to love it. And you're going to love the price. Internet for your home for 50 bucks a month. That's less than 2 bucks a day. Plus, no contracts, no upfront costs, no equipment fees. And our 15-day guarantee. Call now. 800-846-2124. 800-846-2124. 800-846-2124. That's 800-846. 6-21-24. Wally Langfellow and Eric Nelson from Minnesota Score Radio's 10,000 Takes, talking about Minnesota's 10,000 losing teams. Wild Wolves, Gophers, Twins, Vikings, you name it, we'll cover it. Will any team step up and give Minnesota's long-suffering fans something to cheer about? If they do, we'll tell you about it on 10,000 Takes. 10,000 Takes, weeknights at 5, here on the Fizz 1440. Twin Cities Business Radio. Looking for a new way to give back to your community, learn new skills, and make a real difference? Consider volunteering with your local fire department. The majority of U.S. firefighters and emergency responders are volunteers, answering the call when their community needs them. Be part of a dedicated team of volunteers who step up and protect their community from all types of hazards. You can be the difference. There's no typical firefighter. Anyone can volunteer to serve their community. Volunteering as a first responder is really about having the heart and drive to make a difference where it's needed most. Aside from helping your community and being there for those in need, being a member of the Volunteer Fire Service provides many benefits, including an opportunity to learn new skills and join a family that will serve with you, always have your back, and train you to be the best version of yourself. Your community needs you. Will you answer the call? Learn more and find a local volunteer opportunity at makemeafirefighter.org. That's makemeafirefighter.org. The Ramsey Show. I don't have credit card debt. I don't have student loan debt. I don't have car payments. I'm under control and I got a pile of money. You know what would happen? The economy would collapse. No, it wouldn't. The economy would boom. Weekdays from 1 to 4 p.m. Live on the Biz 1440. 
Yep, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking care of business here on the King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440. 651-289-4477, and welcome to uh, Cheesy Rejoin Radio. Um, we're talking, listening to Larry Summers uh, uh, talk about what's what's inside the data and uh, and what's happening with with uh, particularly this housing inflation, which is which is again very difficult to try to measure. Um, I think I left this off at cut number ten, if I remember right. Cut ten, please. Eleven. Okay, cut eleven, please. So I think the Fed has some very difficult analysis uh, to do. On the one hand, the recession risks look more remote with very robust uh, financial conditions and consumers appearing. If you look through this month's data and last month's data and the Christmas seasons, consumer spending still appearing relatively robust so the recession risk looks more remote the inflation risk looks more real so that the inflation risk looks more real we got you know recessions remote inflation looks real and so you makes you kind of wonder what do you think the fed's going to do next and he, he goes there with cut 12 they were never right to be focused on march for a cut. I had been saying that that seemed uh, premature, and they and the markets have come around on that. I think that May is odds off at this point and probably should be odds off. And gosh, I think we've got to recognize what no one's talking about. There's a meaningful chance, maybe it's 15 percent, that the next move is going to be upwards in rates, not uh, downwards uh, in rates. And I'm sure that surprised just about everybody. And again, that was said after markets closed on Friday night. It'll be interesting if it'll be interesting to see if anybody reacts to that or just thinks that's the uh, ravings of an inflation hawk it's possible it is possible uh that is that it is that uh but i was um i was uh i i i I heard that i'm like whoa okay well someone needs to say it someone needs to say it's not a safe assumption to think that they can't raise rates again it would be highly unusual but suppose you got another inflation read of of 0.4 on core CPI. Suppose the PC number that we get in about 10 days time comes in comes in uh with uh, per core PC inflation above 4%. Should we assume that the Fed is going to come out in March and say everything's hunky dory? Again, what they tell you they're going to do with rates is a function of what they think is the what the economy is going to do those are not disconnected forecasts now sometimes they're going backwards they've already decided what they think rates need to do and they'll go backwards to building a forecast to make that rate make that rate forecast look right uh, but i think there are some that are doing it honestly where they forecast the economy first and then do rates afterward and i think you get a mix of those 
in the SEPs. No, I'm I'm not I'm not saying the people that are forecasting rates first and then backcasting onto their onto their economic forecast are somehow evil or wrong or misguided or anything. You may just have a really good sense for what the market expects. You want to follow the market, and so you write that number down and then back, then reason backwards to where your economy is. But I think that that is part of the logic here. So I want to play one more clip. John, stay on the line. I'm going to play one clip of something else, and I'm going to come right to you after this uh at six five one two eight nine four four seven seven join john come on could come come in we can have a nice conversation about this greg fleming who used to be the president of morgan stanley wealth management and i didn't know where he'd gone to he's now at rockefeller capital management smart guy another gray hair like me um again as you, if you listen to the beginning of the show i say you know your attitudes about inflation your attitudes about a lot of things are based on You've seen these things on on Facebook where it's like the music you you loved is whatever you loved throughout your life is whatever was top 40 when you turned 14 years old. Okay, I think the way I believe about what the economy is like is a function of what was the economy like when I was a junior and senior in college or maybe my first year of grad school. if, If you go on to graduate school, maybe it looks like that. Um. Greg Fleming, generally speaking, looks like he's from my generation of, of folks. And he was remarking on just how unusual this economy looks like. I want to play this first. Cut number one. We're virtually at full employment. Uh, and the service sectors still have a shortage of workers, which is part of the reason why I think inflation is a little stubborn from here. Uh, and then uh, you're running deficits on top of that at 6 to 7% of GDP, which has never been seen before in a time as positive of, as this, really all the way back to post-World War II. That's a huge stimulus in the economy, uh, and that's clearly a part of why it's hanging in there. Uh, and, and it's also a problem when you start looking at the magnitude of the debt that we're putting on as a society. It's something that needs to be addressed by both parties. All right, so now I want to take John's call. John calling us at 651-289-4477. Thanks for your patience, John. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Yes, I'd like to ask you about a column that was in the Star Tribune. I cut it out. It was January 22nd. Who's afraid of the big bad debt? The writer is Jacqueline Murray Brooks, an emeritus professor of economics at the University of Wisconsin, River Falls. Hmm, And she she says something in here, which I've heard other places. She says, I'll just read this. She says, don't count the zeros. Always compare the size of the national debt with the GDP, i.e. debt slash GDP. Doing so adjusts for inflation and other price distortions while addressing the capacity of our national nations to produce and generate income with which to repay the debt. Now, I heard the same sort of reasoning back in, I think, around 2007. I was at a uh, town hall with former 3rd District Congressman Jim Ramstead, mm-hmm. and I asked him about the fact that when Clinton went out of office, the U.S. was paying down the deficit, and uh, since uh, George Bush got in, the deficit was going up. And he had the same reply. He said, well, if you compare the national debt with the GDP, we're doing fine. 
I'm just wondering what your opinion is of that line of reasoning. So, so I have two reactions. First of all, it, this fits so well with where I was going today, John. I was guessing. So, can John, can we confirm, right? You and I didn't talk before today about this call, right? Because <laughs> it's going to look like I staged you by the time no. we're done with this this call no. today. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I just saved this article. Yeah. I, 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 so I confess, I've not read that article. I know some, I know some faculty at River Falls. I don't know this particular emerita uh, faculty member. So, so it's a very standard uh, line of analysis that GDP, that debt numbers are often expressed as shares of GDP. I don't think, I don't think that's the. Oh, I don't think that's the only way to think about it. I've always wondered about the capacity. John, do you remember, you've, you've been a longtime listener to, to the King Banyan show, uh, for which, I, first of all, thank you. Uh, and then also, uh, you'll remember I talked some time ago about uh, the this time is different than the analysis of these two uh, economists, uh, uh, Ken Rogoff and Carmen Reinhart, which made the argument that a 90% debt-to-GDP ratio was was bad right once you get there growth slows down um the whole argument that was made about that piece was you can't pick out a specific number and maybe we can actually have higher debt levels right so john let me ask you suppose suppose i tell you suppose i tell you that the debt to gdp ratio right now is above that 90 percent would it matter to you if it was twenty trillion or thirty trillion or forty trillion? Oh, it, it, to me, it would. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. So, so tell me, tell me why you think that, John. I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously. I want people to hear this. Why do people think about the debt in that particular way? Well, I think they think of it being almost like the U.S. government going into margin. If you recall, back in the 1920s, I believe it was. Americans were borrowing heavily to go into the stock market, and there were no margin controls. It was like you could just do it indefinitely. And that seems to be like what what they're saying here, that we can just borrow forever. And right. You're 100% right. I think that is what they're saying. I, I think that's absolutely what they're saying. The market monitorist story seemed to imply we can have deficits, and we can have deficits for as long as we want because – at some point down the road, we can we can pay for that by maybe having some inflation or maybe having some taxes to cover it when the inflation gets out of line, and that'll all be fine, right? That's that's absolutely true, John. I think you're right, and I think that's why I do believe the 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 percentage numbers are kind of interesting. But what I want to do, and I'm going to let you go because I'm going to go right to a break. But when I come back, I'm going to explain why those percentages. Even if you use those, are absolutely frightening. We had testimony from the Congressional Budget Office just this week on Capitol Hill, and we have a little bit of that to play for you to sort of say why this is a this is a major issue. We're gonna we'll be back right after this. Thanks for the call, John. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz fourteen forty. Your children and grandchildren are inheriting a world that's more upside down than ever before. They'll need extraordinary skills to make a positive impact. A Christian education will give them the solid foundation they need to not only endure, but thrive. 
and that education is available for half off their first year through TwinCitiesTuitions.com. To see our full list of participating schools and to see if the half-off tuitions program is a good fit for your family, go to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. We all know that aches and pains come with simply getting older, but it doesn't mean you have to accept it. That's why I want to tell you about a special lady, Leah from Ohio, and her relief factor story. One Sunday, Leah was sitting on the couch in so much pain, she was literally in tears. That's when she decided to try Relief Factor. Just eight days later, she found relief, and she continued to get better and better. To quote her, she said, I am truly amazed at this product. Like me, who after nine, almost ten years, almost a decade of low back pain, lost that pain thanks to Relief Factor. If you're living with aches and pains, see how Relief Factor, a daily drug-free supplement, could help you feel and live better every day. Get the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com or call 1-800-4-RELIEF. It all comes with the feel better or your money back guarantee. That number, 1-800, the number 4, RELIEF, relieffactor.com. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Minnesota. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now a truly exciting new benefit, my monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Tonight, I want to thank John for that call. We always love hearing from him. Uh, 651-289-4477. And here's why I, I want to thank him, especially for that one, because it really calls forward this particular question that we played. I'm actually going to repeat the first clip that I played just before John's call so that you can understand the point I'm trying to make here. Another piece... The pandemic is one type of odd shock that's exogenous, strikes us in, a, in, in interesting ways, kind of hard to pick apart, and so forth. Another shock is the fiscal policy reaction of high deficits. This was, again, Greg Fleming from Rockefeller Capital Management on CNBC with Joe Kernan on Friday. Cut one. We're virtually at full employment. Uh, in the service sectors still have a shortage of workers, which is 
part of the reason why I think inflation is a little stubborn from here. Uh, and then uh, you're running deficits on top of that at 6 to 7% of GDP, which has never been seen before in a time as positive of, as this, really all the way back to post-World War II. That's a huge stimulus in the economy, uh, and that's clearly a part of why it's hanging in there. Uh, and, and it's also a problem when you start looking at the magnitude of the debt that we're putting on as a society. It's something that needs to be addressed by both parties. Now, I've just tweeted this whole interview to you so that you can listen to listen to the whole thing after the show. Don't listen now. Wait till after the show. Don't have long to go. Uh, but uh, I, I need that point needs to be reemphasized. On top of a, the shock of COVID, we have added 6 to 7% of GDP budget deficits for as far as the eye can see. Um, let's continue, okay? And this was the point that Fleming was driving home again and again. Cut two. And, and what's happened in recent years is clearly people are, uh, around the world, they're looking for alternatives for the first time, right? Now, the reason we still have the world's reserve currency in part is that there are no viable alternatives yet. But if something emerges, if we're at 150 or 200 percent debt to GDP and there are more viable alternatives, then then yeah, MMT could be doesn't work. Right. And and the point being made is one of the reasons why we can go into debt. And this was part of John's call was. One of the reasons we can continue to have debt to GDP is as high as it is. Hang on a second. What the heck was that? Um, I was all of a sudden hearing some sound somewhere. Uh, one of the reasons we can have the debt as high as it is, is that we can still export our, our currency, export our inflation, export our debt two other countries okay if we're not the reserve currency argentina isn't trying to tie itself to us by by forming some kind of currency board or or actually trying to dollarize their economy right it, that wouldn't happen but we're at a risk of people finding alternatives i get asked this question i gotta say at least one presentation in two or one presentation in three I get asked the question of I get asked the question about well what would happen if uh we weren't the reserve currency. Well if we aren't the reserve currency, the impact of these deficits are gonna be even higher. Let me continue with this. Cut number th- this is Greg Fleming, cut number three. Look at the whole supply and demand part of it now with the Fed. I mean, the, the amount of debt that we have to put out there, and China's pulled back as a buyer, Japan has pulled back as a buyer. There's a possibility here, just on a supply and demand basis, you're going to get a more upwardly sloping yield curve just uh, because of the, the need to get this much paper out on a regular basis. So this is a big topic. $9 trillion. $9 trillion will be issued by the U.S. Treasury this year. Much of it to retire. Some of it will majority of it in fact will retire old old bonds but the net gain will be two trillion the fed is still doing quantitative tightening china japan are reducing their holdings of dollars um i don't think we know exactly what is happening in saudi arabia but my guess is they're reducing their holdings of dollars uh the impact the impact of of the of the uh, of the sanctions from Russia. 
Uh, let's finish this off. This is this is cut number four. Greg Fleming on Friday. Well, and, I, and I, you know, I, I think they jumped the gun in December. Uh, you know, jumped they, the gun in terms of moving so quickly from raising rates to signaling that they might go to a very different. Uh, posture, and there may be uh, rate cuts as, as early as March. I mean, the language in, in December was pretty dovish. And I think they did that because they, uh, they clearly blew it the first time coming out of the pandemic where they waited too long to raise and then had to really chase it 75 basis points at a time, which helps uh, create the situation for the banking crisis last March. So they wanted to make sure that they were ahead of the curve this time, but they jumped the gun. And, I, and, and so this agrees with, with what Larry Summers is saying, that, hey, there's a small chance, maybe a 15% chance, maybe a 1 in 6, 1 in 5, 1 in 6 chance that the Fed is going to uh, raise rates next time rather than lower rates if it makes a change. The other part of this, this story actually comes, I'm going to have to hear this. This, was, uh, this is Phil Swagel. He's the director of the Congressional Budget Office, not a gray hair. He is, he is probably about... He's probably about half my age, uh, but he's directing the Congressional Budget Office, and he was on the floor of the House. He was in testimony at the House Budget Committee on uh, on on uh, Wednesday this week, uh, and uh, ta- uh, talking to Representative Lloyd Smucker, who is a, uh, I believe, a Republican uh, out of Virginia, and uh, and gave and and so if you hear another voice behind behind besides Swagel. It's the representative who's who's uh, questioning him in a fairly small, lightly attended hearing. This exchange is super interesting. This is cut five. You know, that it, that's the challenge that our projections now have the Social Security Trust Fund exhausted by the end of the budget window, and then benefits for all Americans would be re- reduced in a sense by more than twenty percent. So, so literally in nine years. People can expect they will not receive their Social Security benefits if Congress does not take some action. That's right. Under current law, there would be not enough resources to pay the promised benefits of Social Security. That's what the debt crisis, that's what this debt is leading us to. We have an aging population, rather set money aside to deal with with the fact that we have this obligation. If we don't do anything, what has to happen is benefits have to reduce. And on the Social Security side, there's an automatic trigger there. Shortly after that, uh, Swagel's brought on to Morning Joe, uh, not sorry, not Morning Joe, but onto CNBC uh, and, and Squawk Box, and is asked about this testimony. And let me play a little bit of this. This is cut number six. Uh, you know, so I think of two horizons. Then in the near term, the risk is net interest payments. You know, we have a pretty moderate path of interest rates. You know, the risk is, well, it could go in either direction, but higher interest rates, given the mounting debt, would, you know, mean a much larger deficit in the near term. Over time, it's mandatory spending. It's Social Security. It's health care. We're an aging society. We have still rapidly growing health care costs. You know, some, on the spending side, it's those mandatory spending or on the revenue side, there's you know, lots of options on revenues. So if you if you if you look at the amount of um, if you look at the amount of spending that will happen, even in their forecast, which is for a four percent, three and a half percent, 10 year treasury. If you look at that particular if you look at their data on that. Their data would tell you that that 
that at in the very near future, the amount of money we spend servicing the debt will be greater than the amount we can spend on national defense. The only other thing that's out there, of course, after that, there there's roads and bridges and parks and 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 but and and other things. You might say, well, yeah, they should probably just starve all that stuff. That'd be okay, right? But at some point, you hit the mandatory spending issues, and you hit, and yes, some of that, some of that might be, might be uh, uh, some some transfer programs that have some limited value to it. But a lot of it will end up hitting Medicare, Social Security, and things that are politically extremely sensitive um, to that. Uh, to that, uh, let me continue. This is sw- more of Swagel, cut seven. Would you settle for 2.6 trillion in 2034? I, I think it's going to be much worse, don't you? You know, we project the deficit under current law. If there's new tax relief and there's new spending, the deficit could be larger. Right. So it, that's a dodge. Uh, he's dodging. He's and he has to. Right. He's supposed to be bipartisan. And he's uh, and and he's pretty. He, he's um. I've seen Swagel in some other environments. Uh, I think he used to be a, a fellow at the American Enterprise Institute, so he's he's clearly not a a hard a hard left guy. Uh, probably a little center right, but his job is to avoid answering the question that Joe Kern has just asked him. Um, but it, but here's here's the point to go back to what Fleming was saying, right? Six, seven percent budget deficits isn't like a one or two year piece on current law on the if nothing else happens in Congress. The deficit, which slightly reduced to one point six trillion from one point seven trillion, goes to two point six trillion in 2034, 10 years from now, which is the end of the budget window. So to John's phone call, that's how much additional debt has to be issued. That's how much the debt has to grow in order to, you know, that's how much the debt has to grow. Now, some of that $2.6 trillion deficit is needed to pay down, the, to pay off the bonds that are maturing. But that debt to GDP ratio goes from say you know when when John asked his question of of represent of congressman Ramstad back in 2007 the debt to gdp ratio was in the 60s it's now over 100 and in the cbo forecast which we tweeted to you at pound kbrs it goes to 150 now, whether Rogoff and Reinhardt were right about 90% or not, or whether it was a, there was a statistical error, is, is okay in terms of the number and in terms of the calculation. That might have been, wrong, that might have been off. But there has, to, there, there, there has to be, just in thinking about economic theory, okay, at some point you run into something where, where people look at you and say, I don't know that I trust you to pay me back, so I'm going to demand a much higher interest rate premium from you and then add to that the possibility that our folks not aligned with us, like China or Russia 
or, or, or Saudi Arabia or Iran decide to develop an alternative currency. No alternative currency exists right now. But the British thought the sun would never set on the British Empire and that the sterling would be, would be the world's currency. Look at the UK now. We'll be back with some, some last comments after this. You're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Was a good friend of mine. I never understood a single word he said. Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Be honest about who is taking advantage of us and keeping us divided. To be black in America today is to be labeled and used. But it's not because America is a systemically racist country. It is not. It is not. It's not. It's because the loudest voices who say they have all the answers are actually the problem. There are progressive forces and organizations dividing us as a people and as a country. They stoke hatred and division to hide the real problems and keep us angry. We've seen this pattern repeat itself over and over again. We have to take a new course. And now's the time to return to our cultural roots of faith, family, and education. Take Charge Minnesota believes that America works for everyone, regardless of race or social standing. Please help counter the cultural narrative by watching the film I Am a Victor this month. Go to AM1280 The Patriot and click on the I Am a Victor banner on the homepage. And you can get more information by going to TakeChargeMN.com. Colorectal cancer doesn't stop for COVID-19. Hello, I'm Dr. Cecilia Brewington. If you are age 45 or older, it's time to return to care and get tested. The government requires insurance companies to cover not only colonoscopy, but a range of tests, including virtual colonoscopy and other less invasive exams. Talk to your doctor about your options today. For more information on virtual colonoscopy, visit radiologyinfo.org. The Ramsey Show. You're also supposed to enjoy money. Now, some of you that overspend out there, you spend like you're in Congress, you don't have any issue with this enjoying money thing. Enjoying money without overdoing it is a sign of maturity. The Ramsey Show, live every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4. There's a ton to explore at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Like the biggest savings around at our half-off deals tab. Click on programs to see your daily lineup, win prizes at the VIP fan club, catch up on your favorite podcasts, and more. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, The Biz 1440. Thank you for listening here today. Um, uh, nice 
Looks like it's going to be a sunny day here. It looks like that little bit of cold uh, is blowing out of here. You get some wind later today, but uh, otherwise it'll be very, it should start to feel like March pretty darn soon. Uh, 651-289-4477. If you have any last second uh, comments here on the King Banyan show, uh, this is one more. This is, I got one more cut here. Uh, Phil Swagel, the director of the Congressional Budget Office, was on CNBC on Thursday uh, talking about their new report, which projected the debt-to-GDP ratio reaching pretty high levels. Uh, to give you one more taste of that, cut number eight, please. Did you do the math on the, what the total debt will be by, by then and as a percentage of GDP? Yeah, so the debt rises to a, a new record, and we're, we're ending up above is like 116% of GDP by the end of the budget window, which is a, an all-time record. I, I, I'm dumbfounded that this isn't a bigger, a bigger issue. I think, though, that the market is beginning to figure this out. And again, if, if people figure this out, here's what's likely to happen. We will see some folks beginning to withdraw from buying, particularly longer-term longer term U.S. securities. We have a period, we're now just counting, 12 days away from when some bits of the federal government will run out of money because we're continuing to fund them with continuing resolutions. Those continuing resolutions expire at the end of this month. I think you'll start to see rates begin, rates particularly on the long end of the maturity spectrum, begin to rise. Um, and, and in the meantime, I don't think short rates will rise so much. So what's likely to happen is you'll start to see the yield curve uninvert. Okay, remember now the yield curve. Short-term maturity bonds have paid higher interest than long-term maturity bonds. That is not normal. And people say, well, that's a signal that recession's coming. As the recession arrives, the uninversion happens and sometimes happens about at the same time. And so when, 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 while I've been waiting for that, and I've been waiting obviously for a long time, like a year or so, um, I don't think it's true, necessarily true that that doesn't happen. But the larger point is that there will have to be a discussion about how do you actually pay this stuff back. There's demand for our debt from places, you know, I mentioned Argentina, which wants to dollarize. That means that they're going to accept U.S. currency and U.S. securities to hold as reserves to support the economy. I mean, dollarization literally means you withdraw your local currency and you accept dollars. Well, Argentina has to acquire those dollars. Just as Ecuador had to acquire those dollars 20 years ago. But Ecuador is a small, I want to say it's one-fifth the size of the Argentinian economy. I could be off by a fair amount there. I, some, I have fact checkers. They'll, 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 they'll tell me I'm wrong. That's fine. Uh, I just try to do this off the top of my head, but I'm going to guess it's about a fifth. Um, that's a lot of dollars that have to come in there. So there'll be some demand on some of those places. But as we issue more and more debt, at some point, at some point, and, and we start using debt as a weapon, 
you're going to hear more people like what we heard from that Tucker Carlson interview with with Vladimir Putin. The one that that caught my ear was was when he said the U.S. the U.S. government is going to suffer for the fact that it has not, in fact, it has not uh, it has not, in fact, uh, delivered yet. That, that it not, has not delivered. Um, a steady financial market it tried to punish um it tried to punish the the uh russia by cutting it out of the financial market and says hey you're going to lose your status as a reserve currency because we're incentivized to go find another way to do this i don't think russia can do it on their own but if somehow the chinese decide to join in the game and then the saudis decide to join in the game it could happen it really could and then what happens? Then our rates go even higher, and our and more of our spending slows down, and we can't afford to to even fund things like Social Security. Those reductions are real; they they could they could come. And I think the discussion should be about that, about Social Security, rather than characteristics of the major candidates themselves. I will. I'm not going to say much more about that because that's what my friends on the North Alliance Radio Network talk about more. They're going to talk about those issues too, uh, and we'll leave that to them. But for that, that's all for us for this week. Thank you, Spencer. Twenty cuts. That's a lot of work. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you very much. Thank you for listening as well. We'll be back next week here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Attention, this is a public notice from the Social Security Disability Helpline. If you're one of the millions of Americans who are disabled and unable to work, you may be eligible for disability benefits from Social Security. Receiving benefits is your right. If you suffer from physical or mental disability, whether you're applying for the first time or you've already been denied, we can help. We'll evaluate your situation and deal with Social Security on your behalf. Best of all, there's no fee until you receive your benefits. Remember, we only get paid if you win your case. There are many reasons and conditions that may make you eligible for disability benefits. Many of them you may not be aware of. So if you're disabled and unable to work, call now to get started with your free, no-obligation consultation. 800 2974 That's 800-556-2974. This is Dennis Prager. I am excited to announce the all-new PragerTopia Plus. You can listen to my show whenever it's convenient for you, all commercial-free and all on demand. Now with Prager Plus, search topics, guests, and segments all the way back to 2010. And now, a truly exciting new benefit. My monthly online video get-together for PragerTopia Plus members only. This is where, for an hour each month, PragerTopia Plus members get an exclusive chance to ask me anything. That's right, anything. It's on video. I'll be talking to you and answering your questions. We may even have a special guest every now and then. I've never done this. Submit your questions for me at PragerTopia.com. This is only available to PragerTopia Plus members. This is our chance to connect like never before. Go to PragerTopia.com or click the banner at DennisPrager.com. What is your healing power? Maybe your healing power is helping veterans with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, depression, anxiety, or loneliness. 
Is your healing power a simple heartfelt letter or being a volunteer? It is estimated that over a half a million current warfighters will return from service diagnosed with PTSD and 22 veterans will commit suicide every day. Our veterans have paid the ultimate sacrifice for our country. At HealVets.org, you can find out more about the healing power of pen pals, volunteers, therapy kits, and more. Discover your healing power at HealVets.org. Help Heal Veterans, together with you, has been helping one recovering veteran at a time. We are helping veterans heal together. What is your healing power? To find out about your power, visit HealVets.org. This PSA is sponsored by Help Heal Veterans. Common ground for the small business owner.